0: Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church at home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Hey Christchurch London, happy Easter. Spring is in the air, it's Easter Sunday and what we hope is the beginning of the end of this pandemic and I I love that combination. They all kind of feel related and I'm beginning to dare to hope that we are through the worst of it. In fact The Guardian have been writing about this this week using the combination of Holy Week, Easter Sunday and the easing of lockdown coming together to write about the role of Christianity in society especially after all that we have been through. would really recommend you checking them out. One of the writers, John Harris, he he even laments what he calls life without God, as he sees the hole that the absence of a shared faith has left in our secular culture. He writes that for many of us, life without God has turned out to be life without fellowship and shared meaning. And in the midst of the most disorientating, debilitating crisis most of us have ever known, that social tragedy now cries out for action. I think he's right and Easter Sunday of all days is the day where we can be reminded and inspired by the hope that we have to meet that cry for action. It makes this Easter Sunday more profound than uh, any I think I've lived through. And as Easter Sunday is the, uh, and, and the easing of lockdown, as they come together, hope is the theme that is on my heart and I'm sure yours too. And my prayer is that you can come to this day with an open mind and an open heart as we look at a story from the gospels And we'll see that an open mind and an open heart is all that Jesus needs to meet us in the midst of our lives today. So let's read from Luke 24, starting at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So, in this passage, Cleopas and his companion, two of Jesus' followers, have just left Jerusalem and they're on the road to Emmaus. Now, we know that they knew Jesus, most likely they were in fact friends and they were with the disciples when Mary announced for the first time that the tomb was empty and that Jesus was alive. But now they are leaving as they try to come to terms with everything that has happened. They're not only processing the brutal death of their friend and teacher, but they're also processing the lost hope they had placed in him, that he would be the Messiah, the one to redeem Israel. And they expressed that so powerfully and painfully in verses 20 and 21. They crucified him, but we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. They crucified him, but we had hoped. To give some wider context, Israel at that time were an occupied nation. And we read throughout the Gospels that Jesus' Jewish followers had expected and hoped that Jesus would defeat the Romans, likely as the result of violence and power. We read, in fact, that just before this account in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is betrayed by Judas and arrested. Peter draws his sword and cuts off the ear of one of the Roman soldiers. Even Peter was ready, sword in hand, to take the fight to Rome, trying to prevent Jesus from being taken and ultimately killed. And he had no idea that Jesus always intended to follow the path to the cross, making Peter's actions all the more understandable. They had expected Jesus to overthrow the very real powers that oppressed the nation of Israel at that time. And would have hoped for a second kind of exodus where God would move powerfully through a new Moses to free them. And seemingly in this moment, as Cleopas and his companion are walking on this road, none of what they hoped for has happened. Nothing has changed. Rome was still Rome. And instead of celebrating some great victory, the disciples were in hiding the Messiah killed by the ones he hoped, they hoped he would overthrow. Now how Cleopas and his companion dealt with this is interesting. On first reading it appears that they're leaving their hopes behind, perhaps even leaving their friends behind when they needed them the most. But I'm not sure that's entirely true. And the reason is the place where they are heading to Emmaus. Now, to us, that name may only be familiar because of this story. But for the people reading Luke's gospel at that time, the name Emmaus had far more significance. Emmaus was the site of a famous battle during a Jewish revolt against different oppressors a couple of centuries before this moment. The Jews won a famous, unexpected victory. And so hearing that they were on the road to Emmaus would for us be like hearing Dunkirk or, or Hastings or the Son. Places that are synonymous with famous battles and with war. Maybe they're heading to Emmaus because of its history. Maybe they're heading there to try to figure out what on earth has happened, to try to find some wisdom. Maybe they're heading there because it's a place famous for the very thing they'd hoped to see in their own time. And this is where Jesus meets them. Not once they've figured everything out, but in the midst of their questions and their confusion and their seemingly failed hope. Perhaps more than any year in many of our lifetimes, we have seen just how powerful and dangerous hope can be. Now hope is different to optimism. Optimism is how we survey what's in front of us and through our reason or experience uh, or the resources we have available, make a judgment that things are probably gonna work out. Now I can be optimistic about uh, my football team winning because I have a certain knowledge about the players and the form of those teams. Or I can be optimistic that I'll get that job because I have the right qualifications and experience to do it well. But hope is different. Hope is the longing for something regardless of the circumstances. It is something that goes beyond what we see in front of us and and kind of seeps into the core of who we are into our heart. We see that with Cleopas and his companion, they'd hoped that a man from, from the middle of nowhere with no army would overthrow the Romans. That goes beyond optimism. And one of the main reasons this year has been so hard is that time after time after time, our hopes have failed to materialise. I remember being on Columbia Road in East London just before Christmas, enjoying the lights and listening to a jazz band playing on the pavement. Probably the closest I've come to what felt like normal life of the last six months. And it sticks out because it was also the moment when we found out that we wouldn't be able to see family over Christmas. Our our Christmas plans were cancelled. Our hopes for a return to some kind of normality dashed again. I filmed it just so I could remember that moment. In some ways, that's more of a trivial example, uh, but it speaks of the familiar feeling we've had over this last year. And I'm sure all of us will have similar stories to tell. After all we've been through as a society, what should we do with hope? And how do we process failed hopes after the experience we've had? The reality is that the world is different now. Many of the things we have placed our hope in have disappeared or have failed us. And not just over the course of this last year, for some of us, what we'd hoped for in our future now seems more uncertain. From the more trivial things to the tragic. From cancelled holidays to postponed weddings, lost jobs or career prospects to uni not being what we'd expected. And most importantly, the health or tragically, the loss of our loved ones. The world is a different place. How do we process this? And in the confusion and the uncertainty, how does Jesus and the resurrection meet us in this moment right now? And to help us, let's look at the way Jesus meets Cleopas and his companion in their confusion. Firstly, Jesus approaches their questions and helps them understand the truth. They couldn't see how the crucifixion could be anything but bad news and fair enough but the core problem for them was that they had placed their hope in a messiah made out of their own expectations a messiah that would lead an army not lay down his life their hope for redemption was a good one but it was the way that hope would come about that was misplaced and I think that can be true for us often our hopes are built upon a desire to be loved or to have meaning or to have purpose or make the world a better place and make a difference really good things All of us want meaning. All of us want to be loved and to have hope. But so often it's the means in which we try to get those things that can fail us. I think there's two reasons for that. Firstly, they can rely on things outside of our control. And the problem with that is that we will live with this fear that they could go away at any moment. As an example, if I'm putting my hope in in a career, if that's where we're searching for love or meaning or purpose, what happens when we don't get that promotion Or, or what happens when there's a pandemic? And secondly, the places we put our hope on often rely on our own strength and effort. And the pressure to maintain and sustain that can become too much. Do we work ourselves into the ground to keep progressing, to keep competing, to keep sustaining whatever it is we've placed our hope in? It can be exhausting. When we place our our hope in a career or in relationships or independence or our intellect or our political views, whatever it might be, good things though they are, if we don't put them in their proper place, They will come to define and control us. They will rely on factors beyond our own control or on our own effort to perform. For Cleopas and his companion, their hope for Israel to be redeemed was a good thing. Just like our hope to be loved, to have meaning and to have purpose. It's just that they couldn't comprehend that the means to which that hope would be fulfilled was through a crucified Messiah. So Jesus, he takes them through the scriptures, through the story of Israel. He meets them in their failed hope and in their confusion, in their search with their questions. And he leads them on a journey to understand the truth. He doesn't wait for them to have it all figured out. And I find that really encouraging. Our questions matter to Jesus and he is prepared to meet us wherever we are at with whatever questions we have. It's why things like the Alpha Course are really important because it creates a space for anyone to ask to have a conversation and if you are interested in that at all you would be so welcome at one of our courses please do email alpha at org if you would be interested or if you'd like to read something just to start processing some of your own questions i'd recommend tim keller's uh, making sense of god as a place to start so jesus he helps them understand the truth but what's interesting is that despite jesus helping them process their confusion and their questions this is not a moment where they see Jesus for who he is. They still haven't recognised him. Not only did they need to understand the truth, they also needed to experience the truth. Now, there's a kind of odd moment in verse 28. There's a few moments where you think, oh, that's a bit strange. Uh, this is one of them. As Cleopas and his companion uh, stop to rest, Jesus basically pretends that he's carrying on. Why does he do that? I don't really know. It's quite funny, uh, a bit confusing, but it does give Cleopas and his companion an opportunity to actively invite Jesus to sit, to rest and to eat with them. Now, I wonder if Jesus was thinking, if I can just get you to a place where you can invite me in, where you can open up, then you will experience the hope that I offer. So many of the experiences people had with Jesus after the resurrection uh, involved food. They They were real, they were intimate and they were personal. And the hope he offers us isn't just an idea to be understood, but a person to be known, a relationship to be experienced in the everyday moments of our lives. And the moment their eyes were opened, when they saw him, was when the risen Jesus broke bread. That very symbol that reminds us of the broken Jesus, of the Last Supper. And that image of the risen Jesus breaking bread is why we can have hope that death does not have the final word. Cleopas and his companion had hoped that Jesus would redeem Israel. Jesus helps them understand and experience that that is exactly what he has done and so much more. For Jesus, this wasn't just about redeeming Israel. This was is about redeeming the whole world. This was about redeeming us from our spiritual bondage and the grip that idolatry and sin has on the human heart. Their redemption, their exodus has happened. But this time, the freedom that has come is for Everyone not just Israel, and even including Rome. The powers of sin, of death, have finally been broken because of the cross and the resurrection. The victory has come, not on a battlefield, but on a cross and in an empty tomb. Tom Wright, in his book, Surprised by Hope, puts it like this. The genuine Christian hope, rooted in Jesus' resurrection, is the hope for God's renewal of all things, for his overcoming of corruption, decay, and death for his filling of the whole cosmos with his love and grace, his power and glory. That is the hope that we have. Every day there are plenty of reasons to lose hope. All we need to do is scroll through our Twitter feed. And so to counter that temptation, it's not enough to celebrate and remind ourselves of that truth once a year. So what might we need to do to create moments where we can be reminded of the story and the hope that Jesus gives us? That's one of the reasons why I've been so excited uh, to meet in person once again. In fact, when you're watching this, I will probably be in Bethnal Green preaching live as it's our first in-person gathering. Uh, online church has been so good, uh, but nothing beats being together, either on a Sunday during worship or across the table at Connect Group. Can't wait to do that, hopefully sometime soon. And this week's Connect Group practice will help us think through some of the ways we can create moments in our day to be reminded of the hope that we have. And in fact, at the end of my talk, I'm going to read a prayer prayer. From a book uh, called every moment holy and it's a series of liturgies for very normal moments um, from moving to a new house uh, to not being able to sleep to gardening and i'm just going to pray that over us and the prayer is actually called uh, a liturgy for the ritual of morning coffee a really normal thing to do something i do every day but it's such a powerful prayer and awakens the reality of how this hope sustains us in our day today so i hope that blesses you when i pray as i was thinking about today about all of this. I was reminded of an exhibition that Dee and I went to a couple of years ago called Is This Tomorrow? at the Whitechapel Gallery. The exhibition description was this, in an era when humanity is facing new challenges posed by big data, bioengineering and climate change, Whitechapel Gallery has invited artists and architects to offer their visions of the future. Now there are lots of really interesting pieces of work from the kind of full-on dystopian Hunger Games projections of the future uh, to the more uh, subtle but every projection projection was of humanity essentially failing, succumbing to the challenges described in the brief. Apart from one. In the middle of the exhibition was a piece by Rana Begum and Marina Tabassum called Phoenix Will Rise. Visitors were encouraged to stand with their backs to the wall and just look up at this circular hole in the ceiling with spray paint on a textured surface and with natural light bursting through. In the middle of the chaos, In the middle of the noise of other projected futures, there was a much needed moment of hope. As we around 15 others just looked up at this this beautiful piece of work, just in in peace and in silence, it it felt like a spiritual moment. It felt transcendent in in a way and something we were all very ready to experience. Here's what Begum said of her work. We realised that there is a lot of negativity in the world and we wanted to come up with something that brought people together. That gave hope. I think her art expressed that so powerfully. In the chaos of the world around us, after the year that we have had, we are all looking for moments of hope. And for us as a church, as we look now to the future, to the world that has changed, the role for us is to create space, to bring people together, to talk, to have moments of joy and to share the hope that we have in Jesus as it said in the the article in The Guardian, to respond to the social tragedy that is crying out for action. To offer an invitation to stop, to look up and to hope. And if you wouldn't describe yourself as a follower of Jesus, thanks for bearing with me today in this talk, thanks for getting this far. The invitation is always open to you in whatever way you find helpful to explore the hope that we believe Jesus offers us. Whether that's to discuss your questions or your doubts, Whether it's for friendship and community, this is why we are here. We'd love to have you at one of our Alpha courses or connect groups or at one of our in-person gatherings. As we've seen from the Emmaus Road, Jesus meets us in our questions, in our confusion and with our doubts. He's not waiting for us to sort it all out on our own. He wants to meet us in our searching and he wants us to experience him for ourselves. To root ourselves in the hope that is not dependent on the things beyond our control or on our own effort, but on a hope that is rooted in the love and sacrifice of Jesus. Maybe this Easter Sunday, like Cleopas and his companion, he's just waiting for you to invite him in. Let's pray. Meet us, O Christ, in this stillness of morning. Move us, O Spirit, to quiet our hearts. Mend us, O Father. From yesterday's harms. From the discords of yesterday, resurrect our peace. From the discouragements of yesterday, resurrect our hope. From the weariness of yesterday, resurrect our strength. From the doubts of yesterday, resurrect our faith. From the wounds of yesterday, resurrect our love. Let us enter this new day, aware of our need, and awake to your grace, O Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to Christchurchlondon.org